0: When you start a podcast, all the most experienced people say, have an idea of who your audience is or at least who you want them to be. And as I think I've said in an earlier episode, I want what I talk about to be useful to anyone who wants to improve their thinking. But I have a special place in my heart for young men and women, the so-called Gen Zers, like my two sons. For me, growing up in the 1980s was overall a fun adventure. In 1979, I got into computers when I was 11 years old. I worked a Christmas retail job selling video games when I was 13. I left high school with my parents' blessing and got my first office job writing software when I was 14. When I was 16, I spent 10 weeks working at a summer camp for kids interested in computers. It was called, oddly enough, computer camp. But I had been studying and working with computers since I was 11, and by that time, I also enjoyed passing on what I know. It was a huge experience for me as the youngest member of an educational staff where I was no older than some of the campers. And I made friends who I am still close with today. When I was 17, I was hired as Sega's youngest ever video game programmer. I lived in Los Angeles and the job was in San Diego. So I bought my first car and rented an apartment. Since I was still under 18, my parents had to co-sign the lease with me and I still couldn't use the apartment's gym facilities because their insurance only covered legal adults. I went and found another better gym anyway. I've come so far since then and had many more adventures, some of which have been very painful, but all of which have contributed to making me the man I am. It's hard for me to believe that I'm actually pushing 60 now, but because of some good decisions I've made, including starting to lift weights when I was 14, and no doubt some good luck as well, I'm still healthy and fit. I actually get a lot of compliments on my physique, and believe it or not, I frequently get people approaching me wondering whether I'm an actor or celebrity of some kind. You know the episode of Game of Thrones, I'll ask? Yeah, they say. I wasn't in it. But I'm doing some of the best work of my life, teaching teams how to solve deep problems together and creating software that supports the process. I'm also happily married, and my younger son, who turns 18 soon, lives with me, and I'm helping him prepare for his launch into adulthood. I think about him when I record these episodes, and I try to put something into each that I hope he will find useful. He's also my video editor, so I know he'll hear what I have to say. And yeah, I also give him dad talks on various occasions with him giving me the obligatory teenage eye rolls. Since I'm expecting and hoping that a good chunk of my audience will be in their late teens, I asked my son to reach out to some of his friends and see what sort of advice they were looking for. What were some of their concerns about moving into adulthood that they might be interested in hearing? One of the questions that came back was, what three pieces of advice would you give to your 18 year old self? So in this video, I'm going to try to answer that. In future videos, I'll answer more of the questions I've gotten, and please leave your own questions in the comments. Since my focus is in teaching people how to think, not what to think, I'm usually not gonna give a straight, you should do this, sort of answer. Ultimately, the decisions you make are your own. That's part of being an adult. But I'd like to help you get equipped to make the right decisions for you. The problem in giving my younger self advice is that since I know all about my 18-year-old self, the advice I'd give him is sort of specific. At that age, I knew I loved technology and that I was gonna work in it. I knew I didn't wanna go to college. I loved teaching myself, that's called being an autodidact. My mother, a psychologist, raised me with a keen interest in the workings of my mind, and we shared an interest in personal development. So I had a lot of advantages. Oh, I had certain blind spots too. But if I could, like in the movie Back to the Future, hop into a time-traveling car and go back to meet my younger self and try to fill in those blind spots, And if my younger self had taken that advice, my life would probably be very different, quite possibly much better in some ways. But I wouldn't have married who I did, when I did. Obviously that means I wouldn't have the children I have. I would have managed my finances quite differently. I wouldn't have the story of my divorce, really learning about myself and finally getting remarried, this time to a woman who was right for me. So my mind boggles at actually giving advice to my younger self it might destroy the very fabric of space-time. But if you're just approaching your adulthood, then your story isn't even barely written yet. And yet, you're probably facing some of the choices and have some of the same blind spots I had. So I'm going to focus on a few of those. I won't worry about how this knowledge would have affected my life because I'm actually super happy with my life. So I'm going to go over three things that my younger self didn't need advice on because he did those things pretty well. And three things that might have saved him some pain if, if someone had mentioned them, or he'd just taken them seriously when they did. So first, I would have told my younger self to keep up the good work with the weightlifting. Fitness has always been an important part of my life, and looking good is a side benefit of feeling good. Whatever exercise you do, remember that it's not a goal-oriented fix for anything in your life. It's an integral part of your lifestyle. Second, my younger self was always willing to ask people around him for help for mentoring, for instruction, for anything he wanted to know about. He was never satisfied with what he knew, and he was always aware of how much more there was to learn. A lot of my life has been driven by curiosity, and I've seen on many occasions that things I learned in one phase of my life end up becoming useful in another. If I wanted to know more about something, I didn't complain. I just went to the library. These days, with YouTube and the rest of the internet in our pockets, we've got even less excuse for not knowing something. Third, I had a pretty strict religious upbringing and I was immersed enough in it that I really truly believed it and tried to live it even after I moved out of my parents' home. This one is sort of half and half because being told what sorts of behaviors are wrong and to be avoided did keep me out of a lot of trouble. I saw other kids my age get into like drug addiction and un- unwanted pregnancy. On the other hand, it also blinded me to a lot of the important aspects of human nature and how the world really worked. My own path Eventually led me away from organized religion. And if you're religious, I'm not saying that that should be your path too. I'm just saying that I thought my religion had taught me everything I needed to know to get through life, and boy, did that turn out to be wrong. Okay, so what are the, some of the things I wish I had known? First, okay, well, this didn't apply when I was 18, but in my mid 20s, I seriously started dating a girl in my church. I wish I had listened to pretty much all my friends and family who told me in no uncertain terms that I was marrying the wrong girl, but my church had always taught me that I should date and marry within the church, and that if I did, God would bless that union, and we were in love. I remember when we were getting closer to engagement, the church had us take a marriage preparation test that was supposed to highlight areas of personal compatibility and incompatibility. Well, it turns out we had a single area of compatibility, our devotion to our religion. I still remember the words the minister said when he was reviewing our test results. Well, I don't see any reason why you shouldn't get married. Talk about damning with faint praise. At that time, we just nodded and smiled. But thinking about it now, I realized that if we were to have a chance at a happy marriage, he should have been saying, wow, you two are a great fit. You definitely should get married. (laughs) Here's the takeaway for you. For a tree to be strong and survive the winds of time, it has to have many deep roots. The same is true for a marriage or any other deep friendship. Relationships with a single shallow root, like religion, will simply get blown away when things change. So whether it comes to your friends or your intimate relationship, make sure you share a lot of values and interests. Second, after I got divorced, I actually started dating around for the first time in my life. I know that sounds weird, but yeah, I did marry the first girl that I ever kissed. But I was dating now without the restrictions of the religion I grew up in, and it was in this phase of my life that I discovered I was attracted to, well, there's really no delicate way of putting it, crazy. I don't mean the obviously Harley Quinn sort of baseball bat carrying crazy, although I admit that's pretty hot, but the sort of crazy you don't easily discover until it's too late, unless you know how to look for it psychologists call these the cluster B personality disorders, and they include people who have antisocial disorder, narcissistic disorder, histrionic disorder, and the really big one, borderline personality disorder. You should go look them up. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say that these people are bad people, but they tend to be really bad at relationships because they often have unhealed trauma in their past that has left them empty inside. This means they tend to figure out what you're attracted to, and then become that for you for a while. This is why they can be so incredibly attractive. That thing you really like, they're it, man. But this mask they put on isn't real, so eventually it falls off, and underneath it is, well, emptiness and pain. It might take weeks, months, or even years to fully reveal itself, but once it does, you find yourself enmeshed in a super unhappy relationship where you're doubting your own sanity and self-worth and feeling for all the world like an animal with its leg caught in a trap faced with the only prospect of escape being to gnaw your own leg off. Scary, right? The takeaway is to read up on these disorders and learn how to spot them. Once you know about them, you won't be able to diagnose anyone, so don't try. If you're not a clinical psychologist, that's not your job. But you can learn to read the signs and make educated judgments for yourself. You are responsible for protecting your long-term sanity. And one of the best things you can do is to make sure that the person you're going to spend your life with is free of these more debilitating disorders. Third, since I've worked in technology my whole life, I've been paid very well for what I do. And yet, if I learned how to manage money better at a younger age, I would have become financially secure much younger. Money definitely doesn't buy happiness, but it does give you options. And learning simple principles of saving and investing when you're young and applying them consistently will give you a lot more options about how to live your whole life. The book I've given copies to both of my sons is this one, I Will Teach You To Be Rich by Ramit Sethi. Money isn't something you should push off thinking about until later in life. The time to really learn about money is right now when you're young. And frankly, public schools aren't going to teach you any of this. In future videos, there's a lot more I'll have to say about what young people should be learning and applying in their lives, but aren't learning in school. So what did you find to be most valuable here? And if you're older, what are some of the best life lessons you'd pass on to to today's young people? Let me know in the comments. And put your questions for future videos in the comments. See you tomorrow. Learn more about the world's premier critical thinking tool, Flying Logic, at flyinglogic.com. Help spread the word by rating and reviewing the show on your favorite podcast platform. Discuss this episode at bewareofwolf.com and keep raising the bar whether the world likes it or not.